0: You're listening to The Range, Gardner Webb University streaming and on-demand programming. I'm Jeff Powell. In the studio, as he is each and every week, the big sports fan, Matthew Tesner. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. You know, we've been so busy with Super Bowls and and, and huge professional sporting events that uh, we haven't talked a, a ton about Gardner-Webb sports the last couple of weeks, so um, maybe today's the day to catch up on that.
1: Yeah, let's just catch up a little bit and run through a couple of things. It, it is a busy time. It's one of the busiest times of the year for intercollegiate athletics, and it is here at Gardner-Webb, because we're seeing that switch from winter sports to spring sports, and there's some overlap there. Uh, we're going to have basketball season continuing here for a little bit longer as we get on the diamond the fields for baseball and softball we also have you know track and field that happens in the spring lacrosse now here at gardner Webb. Uh, wrestling is still on the mat from winter sports mm. so there's a lot of crossover there mm. and I, I feel like maybe half of our sports or so half of our athletes are, are competing now and i you know for me i kind of divide our athletic seasons into three um, you've got your fall sports and you've got your winter sports and you've got your spring and we're in one of those overlap times like we also see with fall and winter um, so with basketball It's been a very, uh, as it it always is, um, competitive uh, Big South Conference season uh, for our men and our women. Uh, And what what we've got now, uh, a little more maybe than two-thirds kind of heading into that final quarter of the basketball season, is that um, both of our teams are kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, The women have have faced a lot of tough competition uh, in the Big South. And um, I know Rick Reeves was happy, uh, Coach Reeves, heading into the year about having so many options uh, for scoring, uh, for leadership. On his team, uh, he thought a lot of girls would play this year, and I think that's been the case. Um, I think he only has one senior on that team, uh, and so there's a lot of underclassman leadership um, and a lot of guard leadership. Uh, and I think that's what they've what they've seen, uh, kind of maybe what he expected, but also what he's seen: uh, Tiara Huntsman, Alexis Hill, um, Carly Plentovich, uh, one of the two Plentovich. If you if you think you're seeing double when you watch Gardner Webb women's basketball, there's Savannah Plentovich as well. Uh, so you know he's he's got had a lot of uh, different uh, scoring options and leadership in different places, like he thought. And um, you know, we are kind of in the middle of the pack, and we are with the with the men's team as well. Um, you know, we've we've uh, really kind of been in that middle group throughout the year. Uh, the thing that I'm excited about, particularly with the men's team, is our balance. Um, we've got you know, about seven players averaging six points or more, and we've got three guys averaging double figures uh, in 12 or more, um, and so I think Coach Kraft has tons of options there for, for where the scoring can come from, um, inside, outside, um, and there's a lot of youth on our men's team as well. Uh, we've got Tyrell Nelson, who's been around. Uh, he's, he's a senior leader uh, inside, and he's had quite a career, but there are a lot of guys who are in their first or second year here on campus that um, some folks may still be getting used to their names. Uh, LaQuincy Rideau is certainly he's our leading scorer this year, and he's certainly made a name for himself now on campus, um, but lots of different options. Um, the other thing that, that kind of stands out for me uh, with our men's basketball teams, we're, we're holding uh, our opponents to under 70 points a game, and so um, we're playing some pretty good defense. You always want want your scoring average to be higher uh, per game than the other team Uh, that probably means you're coming out on top uh, a little bit more than than you're you're, uh, suffering some losses yeah Yeah. so um, that's good I think we're averaging about 75 points and and our opponents are a little under 70 so those are encouraging but I I do I I mean the Big South Conference is very competitive uh, with basketball and I feel like we see different teams cycling to the top every couple of years. You know, we'll see Winthrop rise to the top every once in a while, UNC Asheville, uh, Radford. I mean, it's a little bit of everywhere. Um, and, and we're always in that discussion, I feel like, for men's and women's. And um, in a competitive conference, we're everybody as competitive as the other schools. And so we're getting close to March Madness now. And, and I really feel like Coach Reeves and Coach Kraft, both their teams could make, make solid runs in the conference tournaments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't see why. Why there's any reason, barring a major injury or, or something like that. Um, and, and I, you know, we always hope that never happens, that we can't be the one. You know, it's kind of that mentality that teams have, why not us? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a good mentality for our teams to have. Be positive, go out there, and why not us? I mean, we could very much be going to the tournament just as much as any of those other teams, and I think that's very true this year.
0: Off top of your head, how long has it been since either the men's or the women's have been to the tournament. Well, of course, with
1: um, you know, of course, we're in the conference tournament, yeah. you know, each year. But you know, for men's, we've we haven't been to the NCAA tournament, okay. so that's still. Still you know, that's goal, still our goal. Never that's our, reached yet. Okay. I think that's one of our ultimate goals. The women have been at least um, once. The women, I believe, went once. I think it was 2011, and I think we played Miami in the first round. Okay. And so, you know, we've been five or so years, a, a cycle plus a little bit of, of players ago, um, recruiting class, however you want to look at it, with with players coming in, and graduating. Um, so, yeah, the women have gotten a taste of that with that program uh, in Coach Reeves' tenure. And so, you know, very successful uh, in his whole career, um, and, and he's been very successful. Successful here at Gardner Webb. We've had some years where we've been particularly strong, and so yeah, I, I, that's the ultimate goal. I think And the ultimate goal is winning a national championship, of right. course. That's what you play for. But getting to the tournament is a getting huge, to tournament. Mm-hmm. huge deal, especially you know you're playing in the Big South and you only get one berth. Right. Um, you're not going to probably get in a large team unless you have no. two teams that are just playing really well. And to have two teams with fantastic records, you're going to have to have some balance at the bottom, and some teams are going to have to have really horrible records. Yeah, and yeah. so um, that doesn't happen too no. often, even in any conference, really. So, um, so basketball season—that's kind of where we are. The uh, you know the big thing with spring—you start to get softball games and baseball games. That's one of the big things heading out. We mentioned lacrosse. And our lacrosse teams underway, we've already played Limestone, which really a national power yes. at their division in lacrosse. Uh, we've already played Virginia Tech, ACC school. Um, so, so our lacrosse schedule uh, here over these first several seasons has has never uh, lacked uh, meat and uh, toughness mm-hmm. uh, and difficulty. I guess is the word I'm looking for there. Um, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see how we continue to grow in that program. It'd be interesting to see with softball how we continue to grow uh, as we've. You know, moved into Brinkley Softball Stadium Beautiful these last couple stadium, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's it's definitely probably going to catch the eyes continuously of new athletes, new student athletes who come here interested in Gardner Webb's program, but also our opponents. I think they'll come in here and they'll be like, "Wow, what a nice softball stadium!" And yeah. it's got to be one of the nicest softball stadiums that they see all year mm-hmm. uh, in any format, even when they play in nice venues for tournaments and things like that. Um, so yeah, our softball uh, season's already underway, and we've actually got, uh, I think the the team's hosting Alabama A&M and East Tennessee State uh, in a weekend series uh, here at home. Uh, we opened up on the road at USC Upstate, but now we've got some home games. There are a ton of home games coming up. As we always say, sports.com is the best place to go uh, to follow schedules, stats, uh, results, everything that's happening, and to learn more about your student athletes from Gardner-Webb. Um, so also with softball comes baseball and um, baseball season I believe begins uh, we're about as we record this about a week away um, from that season beginning and I think we've got a a four game homestand to start out the year and the big news for for baseball I feel like is um, Colin Thacker uh, senior uh, is the preseason player of the year for the Big South Uh, and that's the first time in the 12 year history of that award that a Gardner Webb baseball player has been the preseason player of the year so um, big for us I think um, we're going to have a lot of leadership but we're also going to have to um, see who steps up in pitching because we had three pitchers selected in the baseball draft after last year. Um, so we are lose. We did lose a lot of great, uh, successful senior, uh, senior, and I think in some cases junior uh, leadership there. you don't have to be a graduate necessarily at the time to be drafted in, right. in the major mm-hmm. league draft. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see who steps up on the mound and, and who our stars are. Um, but certainly with Colin Thacker and, and Coach, Coach Strap Rusty Strap I believe is going into his 15th year, uh, 15th season at Gardner-Webb. And um, we usually start extremely hot, and so it'll be interesting to see can we get off to that kind of start yeah. again this year. So those are some of the big things happening in, in Gardner-Webb
0: sports uh, to catch us up. You know, I, I just can't let it go. Uh, we recorded last, just before the Super Bowl, and the thing that I think both of us said in that recording was, let's just have a close, interesting game. Yeah. We had an interesting game. We sure did. It didn't look like it for a while. No, I was about to turn it off, and I'm sure that some people did. I think so. And but
1: I'm so glad I didn't. How horrible that had to be on both sides. If you are a Patriots fan and you threw in the towel... <laughs> to To see that they won and you didn't get to see it live as it was happening, yes. and if you're a Falcons fan thinking, yes. "Oh, this is in the back," I could get my Super Bowl for my team and get some extra sleep before right. going in on right. Monday morning. Yeah. You woke up and you probably had incredible heartache and headache right. on Monday morning for that. Yeah, I, you mentioned that, you know having a hard time letting it go. I don't know that this is a Super Bowl that will maybe ever let go um, no. because of the nature of the comeback. You know, twenty eight to three in the second half. That game to to. A sports fan or a non-sports fan, that game's over. Yeah, every bit of it says it's over. It it, was Tom Brady's dejected look on his face. He was he was frustrated, but he wasn't uh, fiery frustrated like he is sometimes. At at a point, um, you know, they kept cutting to Patriots coach coach Bill Belichick. His face just he never looks happy. But uh, there's a certain, I don't know, maybe measure of uh, angst in his face, you know, kind of kind of that fiery look in his eye. He looked a little bit blank uh, at a time, kind of like, what are we doing and what do we do about it? Mm -hmm. we're so far behind. Um, But little by little, they got back into that game. And I think the thing that still stands out to me most, the Falcons stopped running the ball. Mm. they were very successful. I think their first play from scrimmage, they were backed up way toward their own end zone. Um, They threw a toss to Devontae Freeman, uh, one of their great running backs, and he had a huge gain out near midfield. I mean, he ran up almost half the field, and he just really got loose, and that seemed like, okay, maybe Atlanta's going to, really roll here on offense. And they ran for a while and they were really gashing the, the Patriots defense. That they, they could not stop the run. But there was a point there, particularly in the second half, when they stopped running. Hmm. And it wasn't just that they weren't moving up the field, but when you when you throw the ball, especially when you throw incomplete passes or you throw passes that then go out of bounds, you're not using clock. Right. And when you're up twenty eight to three, you want that the clock to evaporate. The main thing is the main eat thing is time. Eat time. I mean, run the ball up the middle Um, you know, use the whole play clock. Call, call. You know, snap the ball at a couple of seconds every time, and at worst case scenario, you use a few minutes on a drive where you may not even gain any yardage, and Mm -hmm. then you punt the ball and you try to play the best defense you can. And of course, you know the defense played a role in it too. They were not stopping the Patriots. The Patriots seemingly were running these. uh, out and and back routes where they would run up the field the receivers and then they would stop and come back to the ball and meet meet Tom Brady's passes and they would just do that up the field and then you know mix in the right amount of other different plays uh, so the defense played a role in it too but I really looked at that offense and, and you know you can't put it all on the players it's the play calling it's the coaches as well um, but it just it just we're never gonna stop looking at that because at twenty eight to three. That game should be over. It doesn't over. matter if it's Tom Brady. Right. It, it could be Tom, Joe Montana in his right, prime. It right. could be anybody, whoever whoever your comeback leader is. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it around the office and, and other sports fans I know all week long, and, yeah. and I don't think that's going to
0: end. Yeah, and near the end of the game, Atlanta had driven down into field goal range. Three more points was going to put it away, and then two or was it three consecutive sacks?
1: There was a sack and a penalty, and, then and it backed them up maybe twenty, twenty-five they're yards. They're out of field goal range, and they had to punt, and that that was a big difference. Yeah. I mean, the Falcons or the the Patriots missed an extra point, which mm-hmm. made them really need two two point conversions, and they got that's the other part for the Patriots. It, it almost felt like is there some kind of divine guidance here it's happening? Like
0: everything had to go right for them to be able to come back, and it did everything. The Edelman catch, which was that, that catch was spectacular. I don't want to take anything from Edelman, but luck played a huge part in that.
1: It did. He's a he's a he's a great receiver. He's a scrappy guy. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch, particularly if you're a Patriots fan. I'm sure. Um, but that catch was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was a huge point. The other the other huge point that. I am going to hold on to is when uh, Matt Ryan, Falcons quarterback, got sacked and fumbled the ball at his own 25. That gave Tom Brady the ball with only a quarter of the field to have to go for another score. Uh, I think that was huge. I think the Patriots needed at least one turnover, and that was the only one they got. Ryan didn't throw any interceptions. They did not fumble the ball around. The Patriots made that comeback with one turnover. Mm-hmm. Usually when you're in that big of a hole in a football game, you need multiple turnovers, yeah. and you need them in opportunistic places on the field. Yeah. And that was the one that they needed. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're going to be holding on to this game for a long time.
0: Yeah. First ever to go to overtime? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we saw a lot of a lot of firsts and a lot of records set. Um, of course, fifth Super Bowl, um, but also yeah, first overtime. A lot of statistical records set in that game as well. And
0: didn't you know when they won the toss in overtime and received that they were just you, you just knew they were going to march down and win the game.
1: When they yeah when they when they won the toss, uh, that seemed to be uh, just an omen. Yeah. I, a lot of people were saying at that time that's that's it i mean the momentum is all with them falcons didn't even win the toss in overtime um my money's on brady at this point and he's going to march him down the field and of course you know in overtime rules for the nfl you got to get a touchdown to end the game and that's what they got that's what
0: they got exactly
1: it was unbelievable
0: well that's it for this week big sports fan if you've got any questions or comments for us just email us here at the station info info at wgwg.org